reading a number of books on evangelism, thinking through this class, I, I read a story about, uh, I think it was in the 1800s, a man who lived to be about 100 years old, but when he was 89, he, had ne- he only had been in church, I think it sounded like as a child, um, and at the age of 89, he found himself kind of in a quiet space and just started thinking about life. And one of the first things that popped into his head was a sermon he heard when he was 15 years old. And at that moment, he immediately realized, hearing the gospel that had been preached all the way back at the age of 15, and he's now 89, all of a sudden, those words sunk in, and the Spirit had the Spirit enlivened him. And he came to faith. He realized, I, I need Christ. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. We never know, you know, that w- the impact uh, we can have with the gospel. There's so many, um, you know, I think so, so much we desire to have a uh, an immediate impact. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, from what I've understood, uh, Larry, you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, when I was learning CPR back when as a child to be a lifeguard and all that, they kind of say, you know, it's it's not like what you see in the movies, where it's like you're doing CPR and all of a sudden the person comes to you and, <gasps> and everything's great and good. It's like CPR is usually long and hard and you sometimes don't even see the results. Um, and the, the first time I actually got to do CPR was as a police officer and... Um, it was just basically keeping things going till, um, until EMS could get there and fire EMS could get there and take them away. And, um, but it's, sometimes with the gospels, like we, we really want that immediate, like, Oh, that immediate aha moment. Uh, but for many that might not come till years later where those, where those words and finally, uh, that were the Spirit finally uses the, those words to, to bring someone a new life. Well, for this class, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I'm sitting down instead of standing up just to encourage conversation. Our, our last marriage class was more of a conversation just about uh, the class in general and kind of bringing out the various things that we learned through it. And, um, kind of realizing in doing that in the very last class, that, oh man, that would have been really good to do kind of in the middle of the class as well. So we have had a couple weeks in this class of kind of hearing about uh, evangelism, hearing about um, kind of mostly talking about personal evangelism. Next week we're going to get into discipleship, what that looks like. Uh, and then the last, the last session we're going to talk about uh, world missions and what that what that looks like but in this kind of last class about personal evangelism i wanted to be more of a kind of a group conversation as we're kind of bringing in what we have learned so far in the first couple weeks and just discuss that i do have a lot of notes but i'm we'll we'll see how the conversation goes um so first though i just want us to read through a few passages just to kind of set uh, set the tone we realize and we just remember what we what we know to be true from scripture so if someone could read 
John 3, 5 through 8 first. We're just going to read through a handful of passages, and then I've got a little sin, uh, scenario that we're going to work through. So John, John 3, verses 5 through 8. I can do that. Okay. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay. And we're just going to kind of go right into the next passage. Uh, Acts 16. Acts 16. Uh, 13 through 14. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the town, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Very good. And this one's a little bit longer. And uh, on the tale of uh, Doug speaking with us, it's appropriate. But uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace which with he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Okay. And then just flipping over to chapter 2, uh, someone wants to read the first 10, 10 verses of chapter 2. And you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. So with that kind of all in mind, I want to discuss uh, evangelism analogy that I've often heard. I just want us to think through it as a group, uh, to think through not only our our perspective on it as believers, but also the perspective of uh, non-believers. So the analogy is, if your neighbor's house was on fire, you would bust down the door and, and go in and try and, and to rescue them. Right? So this is kind of the, the analogy I've heard of e- evangelism, is we as, we as believers see the danger that our neighbor is in, and there's that urgency to, to rescue them. But what are some things with that analogy in mind that we need, and just kind of, especially with that background of scripture that we've just read, that presents some challenges to the, the analogy a little bit? Is my neighbor on the left or the right? <laughs> <laughs> Depends which one, right? <laughs> That was a joke, but we are capricious. God's not. It's, it's easier to to evangelize a person you think is close. You know, they're they're at the one yard line, or I like that person. Person, this person's really annoying. They're kind of hard to get along with. And they're argumentative, and so so there's the aspect of willingness. Sometimes we'll uh, we'll go for the what we think is the easier target, right? Sure. Okay. Close the sale. So that's interesting, though, that, and that's kind of where I'm getting at is the when I was a police officer, we had wildfires in California. I remember pounding on people's doors in the middle of the night. They come to their door, wiping the sleep from their eyes. They're like, "What is going on?" They're like, "You have to leave now." Why do I have to leave? Because of that. <laughs> and there's huge flames. They're like, "Oh!" And they immediately go and start loading up the the family to go. Is that necessarily the response with the gospel? I don't see my house being on fire. Yep. Bingo. Yeah, big difference. Yep. I don't see my house being on fire. Yeah. Why are you waking me up and bothering me? Yeah. You're going back there. You're nuts. <laughs> there is no fire. Exactly. They, we have to understand that the lost world, someone who's lost isn't going to realize that their house is on fire. In fact, some people will enjoy the warmth of the flames. Like, no, you're, you're telling me this is a bad thing. I think this is actually really good. I'm quite comfortable. That could be the the response. Like what you what you is te- what you are telling me is bad. It doesn't seem that bad to me. Or I just completely don't see it at all. 
Also, if the neighbor's house is on fire, just like your job as a policeman when the wildfire was coming, uh, I mean, there's a there's a direct responsibility. It's in our power, potentially. It is in our power to save the person. Likely. That it looks like it's only burning on the one end. We're gonna we're gonna bang on the door. If they don't answer, we could maybe even figure out how to smash the door open. We can go in there. I mean, unless we're forced back out by smoke or something. We can, it's in our power yeah. to save them. If they're unconscious, they're not arguing about whether there's a fire, we could drag them out. Yeah. <laughs> but, so with then the analogy with, with, the, with the gospel. It's not in our power. It's not. Also with the fire, there's a high level of importance. And there's also a high level of urgency because mm-hmm. the fire is right there right now and you know the damaging effects of the fire. With the gospel, there's an even higher level of importance, right? Because you're talking about like eternity and all that kind of stuff. But the urgency is very hard to quantify mm-hmm. for both ourselves and for other people. Because as many times as you be reminded, oh, you might like not make it through the night, right? Or wake up in the morning. That is not the way anybody thinks yeah. about life. Unless, maybe that's a very broad statement. But that, I would say in general, a lot of people don't consider that every time they go to bed. Right. right? Oh, this so, might be the last night of sleep yeah. I ever have. And I might so, not wake up in the morning. Urgency and importance, yes. It's all there, but then getting their minds around where does that urgency lie mm-hmm. is a little bit different um, for us, right? Especially that first pit that you read or had read with, like, you don't see the wind, but you understand its effects. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know what the spirit is doing, but we understand the effects of what it is, so it's very hard to quantify the... It's not like a tornado comes through every day. Yeah. It's like the wind is just there. Yeah. We often hear about deathbed conversions mm-hmm. and urgency is there. Yeah, so when someone's. So maybe that's yeah. why there is that time of softness of heart when you're near death. Mm-hmm. You didn't have Yeah. So, from the one perspective, from our perspective, it's like, yeah, I, I want to get in and rescue my my neighbor but is the 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 scenario is very different because we can't even if they're unwilling we can't knock them over the head and throw them over our shoulder and haul them out as much as we'd want to we we can't it's not it's not within our power to save someone um the sovereignty of God is comforting because we know God's not going to let one of his elect perish in that fire, even if we're walking away and they're choosing to stay in the fire. Yeah. Well, that's what I got from the wind blowing thing. It's like Jesus saying the wind blows. You can't go outside and say, no, 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 switch directions. You have no power over that. So those who are born again of spirit, it's not up to them. I picture like the spirit blowing you know you can't direct the Holy Spirit so who does the Holy Spirit convict grab change regenerate who knows 
mm-hmm. but we can't go tell the wind. You're going east, go west. Yeah. Yeah. So ours, ours is but to proclaim the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, and as we'll, <laughs> we'll get into in, in a moment, there's a... There is... As far as our intent and desire, there's a strong, on our, on our side, there's a strong urgency and desire to see the lost come to salvation. There's, I think that's a good thing. Um, but we have to realize that it, is, that it is God who ultimately saves. We, all we get to do is, is throw the seed. And it's up to God what, what happens. Um, but there, there's we can still have the urgency. Um, another another thought I had, d- just to kind of, I think this kind of goes off of what Baron was saying. Just so we can realize, you know, there it, sharing the gospel can be a, a difficult thing. It can be a scary thing. So I've I've heard, I've heard people say, you know, we'll we'll go and we'll talk to our friend about the the latest show that we're watching on Netflix and how great it is we'll we'll share with them the great you know about this restaurant we discovered and it's so good and all that um, talk about what you know this our you know sports what's going on in the world of sports and how how exciting was that game yesterday you know how exciting was the the Kentucky Derby yesterday that the, the the horse that won was 80 to 1 odds you know that sort of thing but we don't have the same excitement when we're sharing the gospel with someone. But again, just to have a little understanding, what, what's the difference, though, between those things? Worldly things, easier to talk about. Easier to talk about? One is entertainment, the other is life and death. It's like the weighty thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Even if somebody doesn't like the Titans, you feel safe talking about the Titans because chances are they can't like football. So you're on safe ground. There's some commonality there, right? Whereas, I know myself sometimes I might even offend this person if I bring up. Mm-hmm. Which is not very noble. Yeah. Likely, if I'm sharing, if I'm telling someone about this great restaurant, it's probably because I know that they also like that kind of food, right? Oh, I'm going to share something with them that I know they're going to, you know, appreciate and respond to. If if I know my friend is a vegan, and I went to this awesome steakhouse, I'm probably not going to be as excited about telling them about this steakhouse. Um, but if I go over to Ian Rose, that's vegan food, and yeah, I had this awesome acai bowl, and oh, you should go try this place. There's there's that commonality, there's that comfort in kind of knowing that you can be give and take, and even if it's an opposing college football team, there's kind of that fun and like oh, yeah, you, you know, I'm not going to pretend to to talk about college sports because I don't know college sports. 
afraid to tell another person to their face that you are wrong about anything. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be fun to bring up a strong political disagreement with yeah. someone. It wouldn't be fun to bring up anything where you have to confidently say you are wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of it is there's some cowardice that we, you know, have to consider. Yeah. But when you're talking about the commonality piece, I was thinking about like what Dr. Stack was saying yesterday was creating simple connections between the different aspects of your life, right? So like having some commonality theme there that leads to conversations. It's not like we've got to have an instantaneous conversation, an instantaneous response. You can create commonality and allow that to work together because we're not in charge of how it works. Yeah. Definitely. The uh, the believer is going to have their particular sense. They're just kind of more prone to engage with. Uh, but the common sin that we all have is the one that we're born into, which is the alienation from God and rejection of Him. So, you know, apart from the Spirit's work in our life, uh, it's very easy to not deny Christ. And we'll do that in our everyday lives by not acknowledging um, our blessings and you know whatever the thing is so it's you know you, you might have an intention to share it but then as you stand up and do it like Callie says that fear of man kind of takes over and you're like yeah, I don't know if I really want to say that that's my reputation's at stake now and my my acceptance from this person's at stake and um, what do I value more it's why it's almost harder to, I think, to talk about it with a person that you are really close to because you have to be okay with losing that person. So it's easier to talk about it with someone who you don't have equity with. It's easy to choose God and obey Him over this person liking you. But if it's a person you really love and care about and you haven't talked about it for all this time and then suddenly try to do it, it's like you can't. It's just... Yeah. It's such a risk. Like it's just too scary. We'll, we'll get into this in a moment, but I, that, I think this leads to it is oftentimes when we think of evangelism, at least in the context I grew up in, it was more like an event or uh, a planned outing uh, where it's like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go to the movie theater. I remember doing this as a, as a teenager. We're going to go to a movie theater right when a movie's letting out and as the people are coming out we're going to we're going to go up grab someone start talking to them but it's like it's a complete stranger you don't have that equity built into that there's no if they reject you oh oh well they rejected me right so there there's a little bit of uh as long as you can get past the whole idea about just going up to a complete stranger and talking to them the rest is actually pretty easy because it's like I don't, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, do I, I think this is one of those things that we have to challenge ourselves to is like, do I truly love this person? Am I sharing the gospel with this person because I truly love them as one of, as, a, as someone made in God's image that I, I want to share the, the glorious, uh, the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ with them? Or am I kind of doing it just to like, I would say for me back then, I was like checking a box, like, oh, I evangelized today. 
And what, what ended up happening with the, the one uh, encounter that stands out in my mind, got into this, it was me and a group of guys and this one guy. So first off, talk about bombardment. You've got like four or five guys <laughs> ganging up on this one guy. And they got into this big argument about um, the, uh, uh, basically the, the authority of the word of God and, you know, it's just, it was it actually became an argument. And I remember standing there thinking, wow, this is not evangelism. <laughs> this is, this is wrong. Uh, this, this isn't that, that we're not actually sharing Jesus Christ and him crucified with this person. And it's, it's clear that the, the things that they're arguing about is just more of an intellectual argument with this guy. And, he happened to know just enough to push buttons and all that. And, <laughs> and like, yeah, this, this is not, this isn't right. Um, but there's, there's some of that where it's, yeah, it is, it's easy in a sense to bombard uh, someone. Um, I'll, if I have time, I'll read something out of uh, Packer's Sovereignty of God where he quotes someone else. Uh, or, I mean, it might be him saying, yeah, Sometimes our personal evangelism becomes quite impersonal. It should be called impersonal evangelism. It's just this kind of rude, um, a rudeness that we have, kind of checking off the box. Um, so that, that kind of leads to what, what the main topic of this class, oh, we don't have a lot of time, but it was kind of talking about like the methods of evangelism and are there right and wrong ways to uh, to evangelize, as, especially as we're talking about um, personal evangelism. So, first off, as we, I think Damien in the first week he taught, kind of the big goal uh, of evangelism, the drive for evangelism is is the desire to, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We get to do that through evangelism. That's part of it as his children, glorifying him and enjoying him is sharing him with others. Now, some people will argue that you should not have the goal. One of the books I was reading this week kind of said this. You should not have the goal of conversion in your evangelism. Packer does a great job, J.I. Packer does a great job of looking at both sides of that coin and saying, eh, eh. I think we definitely need to have the goal of conversion in our evangelism, but uh, this goes back to the burning house analogy. It's all understanding that it's not within our power to convert. Because what happened is you, you look back at history, and especially the obvious example with this is the Great Awakenings, where this is kind of where the, the Methodist church was brought out method, the method of basically getting conversions, became conversionism. And it's this whole idea that we can, we can pull the guy out of the burning house. It is within our power to do that by do, using the correct methods. So you'd have these uh, traveling preachers who'd go around and they would have these well-crafted messages that would draw the crowd to what they call the crisis moment. 
and you use the, the your uh, powers of influential speech, maybe some music, uh, and a physical act like walking an aisle. This is kind of where that came from. Walking an aisle, coming up to the anxious bench. You build this crisis moment where it's like, okay, now you have to choose one or the other. And um, folks, very famous for this, I think is Cotton Mather in the Second Great Awakening. He, he says very plainly, it is within my power to, to convince someone that they, that they need Christ. He was very like, no. He, he threw uh, the, the sovereignty of God and God's election out the window and said, no, I, I can, just like a, law, a good lawyer, I think he said, just like a good lawyer can convince a jury, I can convince anybody to come to the Lord. So it's like, that, that's kind of the danger on one side of, uh, of having conversion as your goal. It's like, okay, I see it as something I can do rather than what God has to do. Someone read uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17. 4. 4, I mean, it's 4, 4, 1 through 7. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the lights, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the face of Jesus Christ. Okay. So Paul recognizes that it's not in his power to to convert someone. So like if if someone is veiled, someone's kept from it, that's 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 God. I I can't I can't step in and remove that veil. I can't I'm not going since I refuse to practice cunning uh, pra- uh, uh, or to tamper with God's word. Yeah that's that's one thing that we sometimes tend to do is we either use, use the word of God to, to scare someone into salvation with fire and brimstone, which we'll get in a second. We've, part of seeing the good news is understanding the bad news, right? The good news isn't really good unless you understand the, the bad news. Uh, but we also have the tendency to soften God's word. Like, hey, how can I make this more appealing? To someone, you know, and that's where we get have. Uh, that's where we can really get into trouble with our personal evangelism. Is how can I how can I kind of massage this message 
to kind of be more appealing to this person I'm talking to in, in the way that I'm going to kind of avoid maybe some of those harder things and kind of just show them kind of the sweeter part of it. And if we realize that conversion, that regeneration, that, that is God's work, I, then we're going to trust God's way. As we saw, it's, we, the whole classes go there for the Great Commission starts with Christ saying, I have all authority, and now I am entrusting you to go there for, to go there for. So he who has all authority, we have to operate under his authority. We have, so we have the word of God, and we, we entrust that God works through his word to bring people to saving faith. And um, there's, there's definitely wisdom in how we speak to someone. We, I think we see Paul, you know, Paul on, on Mars Hill spoke very differently to those Greeks than he would have a Jewish audience. So there's, there's some understanding that we, you, we do need to know who we're talking to, but we do not lessen uh, the word of God to make it more palatable for someone. Um, we, we trust the means that God has given us. Um, but to kind of quickly get to the kind of the more positive side of things, and this is where Packer goes, if we don't have a goal of conversion, like a, a hope of actually seeing someone saved, then there's probably a lack of passion in us for the lost. Like we, we ought to be people who are desirous of, of seeing people saved. This, we're going to have to skip some of the passages, but Paul talks about in Romans 9, his desire for his Jewish br- brothers. He said, I would, be, I would be happy to count myself accursed and removed from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my Jewish brothers, if they, if they um, would see Christ. Um, do you want to look here at one? This, this is Paul's approach, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. So Paul very plain, plainly sees he wants to win people to the Lord. He, he wants to. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, uh, though, though not being myself under the, under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. And he goes on, he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. So Paul has this deep desire to see the kingdom of Christ grow. That he says, I have this, I, I get to enjoy all these blessings that are mine in Christ. And I want to go and bring someone else into those blessings. That he, Paul very clearly had a, desi- a desire to win the lost, but he was not willing to compromise the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we, we are not going to be able to have time to get into all, all of it today, but there, there are, in our personal evangelism, we can't have a number of things that get in the way. Like I talked about this kind of movie theater assault on this guy. 
you know, we started talking about everything but the gospel. It's like, okay, how can I expect someone who is not indwelt by the Spirit, who's not a believer, to accept the things of the Word? I can't. So why am I going to talk about all these other things? And, and again, sadly, it fell into that place of commonality where he knew enough, where he enjoyed talking about you know, poking holes in the Bible. So the conversation was all here. And missed the whole point about but what what you need is Christ. It never it never got there. It never got to that point. Um, so we have we have a lot of um, there there can be a number of things in our personal evangelism that can get in the way of actually sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that that is that is what evangelism is. Uh, we can do all sorts of humanitarian efforts. It doesn't mean that any of these things are necessarily bad, but we can, if we could do humanitarian efforts that were blue in the face, but if we never, if we never share the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, you know, it's, I guess, I guess if we go the, uh, the burning house analogy is the, you know, analogy of like going in and giving the, the person a cup of water or something. Hey, hey. It's probably pretty hot in here. This might this might help cool you off a little bit. You know, we, we if we never get to the gospel, then we're not truly evangelizing. Yeah. I don't know quite how to say this. I think you need to have established a friendship or a relationship with the person before you even have any right to confront them with their wrongs and and what they need to be doing. Yeah. If you haven't established a friendship, there's a wall. Yeah. You just quoted J.I. Packer. <laughs> I'm going to read that in a second. Um, because I think if there's anything I want us to pull away from this class is we, we, you know, we think of like Billy Graham crusades and things like that. I'm not saying, can, can Christ <coughs> save people at, the, at, at a big, big tent revival. Of course he can. We need to get that, though, somewhat out of our brain and think, what is the normative way that we are here equipped in the church and go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ? The normative way is through the relationships that we have with people in the world. And like you said, Callie, this is where it gets difficult. And I think it's fair for us to, to realize and not try to hide the difficulty, but understand yeah, it is difficult to, to, be, to know that oh, we, might, we might alienate someone. Um, not might, you will. You, 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 <laughs> you will. Yeah. And I think one of, the, one of the simple solutions, difficult but simple solutions for that problem is once you, if you spend all this time building a friendship with a person and kind of try to hide the truth of what we believe as we go, you're never going to flip that switch. You have to be able to say it the moment something comes up and you have to say something, whatever it might be, of like, well, I believe this because I'm a Christian or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just civil disagreement. I think if, we're, if we can do that from the start of a friendship, it will. you can build to a point where they're not going to be as shocked when it 
continues to play out of like, no, mm-hmm. this goes this goes to every facet of my life. So I'm it um it's just saying this very well, but yeah, I guess I just have been thinking more. I've done it so many times with friends where like I got off on the wrong foot and then I never felt like I could rewind and be like, no, actually that's not what I think. Like yeah. you said that and I don't think that. And I think we just have to be bolder at the beginning of a relationship with a person. That's a great thought. Yeah, Josh. Uh, I just saw this uh, in a sermon on YouTube, so it has to be right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're really familiar with John's gospel. Apparently, Luke's is the is the least studied. Apparently, I don't know, but the doctor the, whole, huh? <laughs> the, uh, the whole salt thing. Um, you know, we're not we're not given a complete account of that story in John. Uh, but in Luke, which is the one that focuses on Jesus as man, um, it, it goes into that detail a little bit differently, and it, it talks about manure and the ground. So it's like salt is spread over the manure to, to kill what is bad, and then it's put on the earth to, like fertilizer basically, to help grow what is good. So having watched that and then hearing Doug, I'm hearing old man, new man stuff. And so part of it is this seasoning your speech with salt, but it's more about being, I think. Um, the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And and to uh, Gail's point, you know, like building a relationship, what does that look like? In any given context, right? Like who do you entertain? Who do you give your time to? someone that you feel that you'll benefit from, so maybe a particular type of salesman, others you're gonna reject, um, someone that you already know, or someone that you disagree with that you think that you can outmaneuver. So the freedom in Christ is to, is to entertain anyone and uh, not, not come at it from a perspective of superiority, but you know, Waiting for the opportune time, earning earning the right to speak into their life. Yeah. So let me to those two the, these last comments. I'll just read from directly from Packer just to close us off. It's encouraging, uh, I think, just to to think about this normative way that we uh, are called to evangelize. Packer says there's there's a famous old book on personal evangelism by C. G. Trumbull entitled Taking Men Alive. In the third chapter of that book, the author tells us the, of the rule that his father, H.C. Trimble, made for himself in this matter. It was, it was as follows. Whenever I am justified in choosing my subject of conversation with another, the theme of themes, Christ, shall have prominence between us, so that I may learn of his need and, if possible, meet it. Then Packer says, the key words here are, whenever I am justified in choosing my subject of conversation with another. They remind us first that personal evangelism, like all our dealings with our fellow men, should be courteous. And they remind us second, that personal evangelism needs normally to be founded on friendship. You are not usually justified in choosing the subject of conversation with another till you have already begun to give yourself to him in friendship and establish a relationship with him in which he feels that you respect him, are interested in him, and are treating him as a human being and not just some kind of case. 
With some people, you may establish such a relationship in five minutes, whereas with others, it may take months. But the principle remains the same. The right to talk intimately to another person about the Lord Jesus Christ has to be earned. And you earn it by convincing him that you are his friend and that you really care about him. And therefore, the indiscriminate buttonholing, the intrusive bargaining uh, into the privacy of other people's souls, the thick-skinned insistence on expounding the things of God to reluctant strangers who are longing to get away, these modes of behavior in which strong and loquacious personalities have some, uh, sometimes indulged in the name of personal evangelism should be written off as a travesty of personal evangelism. Impersonal evangelism would be a better name for them. In fact, rudeness of this sort dishonors God. Moreover, it, it creates resentment and prejudices people against the Christ whose professed followers act so objectionably. The truth is that real personal evangelism is very costly. Just because it demands of us a really personal relationship with the other person, we have to give ourselves an honest friendship to people. If ever our relationship with them is to reach the point at which we are justified in choosing to talk to them about Christ and in speaking to them about their own spiritual needs without being either discourteous or offensive. If you wish to do personal evangelism, then I hope you do. And I hope you do. You ought to pray for the gift of friendship. A genuine friendliness, friendliness is, in a, is in any case a prime mark of the man who is learning to love his neighbor as himself. Hey, th- this is the, this is where like true the normative evangelism takes place is in those relationships as we've talked about. It takes place with between uh, a father and mother with their children. It takes place with us and our coworkers. It takes place with us and our friends. This is you know, sitting down at your kid's soccer game and building a rapport with the parent sitting next to you. You build friendships and you genuinely love someone. You, this, is, this is really the love of God coming out, the love of neighbor. is like, I genuinely love and care for this person and they are going to, they know it. And we're not, like Callie said, we're not afraid to step into that conversation when it's appropriate. And I think that's where, you know, you pray for wisdom, like, so we don't miss those opportunities and start building up some, some picture of, of us that all of a sudden is incredibly awkward than to all of a sudden bring in Christ. Like, wait, that also means we, we ought to be striving to live lives that demonstrate that we are new creations in Christ. You know, how awkward is that if you live the first year of life with a friend and you're doing all sorts of, you know, worldly thing, sin, worldly sinful things. And then all of a sudden, you're like, hey, let me tell you about Christ. You know, there was a season in my life that was the easiest evangelism. Running back to the guys in my rock and roll band and my manager and agent. You guys. I, I mean, I hesitate more now than I did there. Yeah. Of course, that was like, that's good. Happy for you. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, like as a new believer, 
your first instinct was to go to the people you loved. Yeah, I had relationships. The people you had relationships with. I wasn't on the street doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. It was the people in my life. Yeah. This is why I'm leaving. Why I'm quitting the band. I'm yeah. gone. Come with me. So, yeah, I, I appreciate Packer because he he talks about some of those methods that we might say aren't good. He says, okay, I'm not going to say there's not a place for those things, but let's make sure that we are getting the gospel correct. Let's make sure that what we are sharing in our evangelism is correct. And if these, if these things fit that, fine. God, God saves people through these things. But as he gets down to that normative way that we evangelize is through those our personal content uh, context and um, you know again this is how we are we are here equipped as the church and we get to go out and just speak with with those uh, that we have at the appropriate times about the, the good news of Jesus Christ not we have to we get to we get to yeah yeah yeah, that, again, that's another, um, I, I you know, just read a book that, you know, basically the, the, anything you, anytime, anything that you uh, see as a have to, <laughs> most people, mo- the way most people are geared is like, ugh. as soon as you hear you have to do something, there's like kind of a grudging aspect to it. Like, oh, okay, this is a chore. This is something I have to do. This is something we get to delight in. This is something we get to enjoy doing. Doesn't mean that there isn't a real sense of uh, realization of alienation. Uh, But at the same time, we get to do it out of a a genuine love that's been shown to us and we then get to show uh, to others. Any last comments? Well, next week, they say we're going to get into the discipleship uh, part of the Great Commission. Uh, again, it's just a five-week series, so it's like it's I can't get into all sorts of things. I didn't even get, get to half my notes today, but um, you know, hopefully, it'll be a little bit of a encouragement to us to kind of just rethink, uh, rethink evangelism and discipleship. Let me pray, and we'll get down. We get down to service. Father, we thank you for your love for us. I pray that you would uh, strengthen us uh, as we are faithfully equipped uh, at faithfully equipped to go out into the world with the good news of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I pray that you would um, help us to uh, be bold. Uh, help us to boldly uh, be good friends. Uh, to um, to be un- unashamed of Jesus Christ, uh, to to preach Him uh, in the various areas of our lives where You have placed us. Help us to do it with a genuine love for the lost, uh, a, a, just a genuine desire uh, to bring people into the blessings that we get to enjoy. I pray, Father, for Ryan as he brings us your word today. Strengthen him. Strengthen us as we uh, are prepared to hear it. Uh, And just uh, bless our time together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.